BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Bills come up short against the Baltimore Ravens. Where else would you rather be than right here? Right now! Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and we're going to discuss the Bills' loss today in New Era Field against the Baltimore Ravens, and we'll go over our thoughts on the game, some stats of the game, our plays of the game, and as always, our Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers with some help from our amazing followers on Twitter. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, John. John, what's going on, man? Hey, Nate. What's going on? Hey, it's good. I, I mean... Let's let's talk some bills. Mike couldn't make it. Unfortunately, he's traveling for work. Couldn't get an internet connection. And uh, dude, what what is his what is his deal? We're putting work before this podcast, before this like quote unquote hobby that we have, <laughs> like whatever, dude. Um, so <laughs> I I guess I guess uh, uh, we miss Mike though. But we let's let's talk. Let's get into this game and kind of toss around some thoughts. This isn't like a clear cut game like some of the other clear cut you know, thoughts and, you know, decisiveness as far as which direction the Bills should go after this, as there have been, like, based on some other losses, like the Cleveland Browns loss or the Philadelphia Eagles loss. Um, but I think one thing we can say for sure, the offense really was pretty awful today um, in a lot of different ways. They weren't able to pick up the blitz, and Josh Allen was just, oh, man, he just got obliterated today. Um, physically and schematically, and he just uh, the, how the guy did not end up, you know, <laughs> in the tent or in the locker room at some point during the game after the amount of hits that he took. I, I have no idea. You know, people always talk about how amazing the Baltimore Ravens are offensively and how good Lamar Jackson is. Of course, of course, we just don't hear a lot about the Ravens defense, and the Ravens defense is very good and was very good going into this game. And I think with some sort of semblance of an offense today, I don't know if it was game plan or just Josh Allen or both, but um, the defense, I thought, kept them in it. They had a great game against Lamar. I mean, they, they only allowed 24 points. And if you think about it, you know, seven of those points were because Josh Allen fumbled the ball at like the 20-yard line, at like their own 20-yard line. So, you know, the defense shouldn't have even possibly allowed 24 if it were, you know, a normal game. But... I don't know. There were some some of my thoughts on the game, John. Did you have any general thoughts on today's loss? Yeah, Nate, that was a tough one. I mean, I mean, the optimism was probably at an all time high in recent years, right? I mean, they're playing against maybe the best team in the league, and you know, they beat Dallas on Thanksgiving, and uh man, that was that was tough. I mean, I I guess I wasn't sure what to expect. They they definitely did a good job on defense. Um, I'm not sure. The offensive game plan was all there. Um, you know, you know, obviously Singletary was having a good game, but um, overall, I just don't think they game planned properly um, enough for the Baltimore defense, like they were for the offense. They, 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing you just mentioned about the optimism of Bills fans is I ran a Twitter poll earlier this week. And uh, if you're not following us on Twitter, on Twitter, <laughs> Twitter, please do. We are at CTW pod. That's at circling the wagons pod. But I, I posted a Twitter poll about, you know, the, the bills being um, underdogs for the game, at the beginning of the week by seven points. I was like, do you think that the bills are a going to win B lose, but by less than seven points or C lose to the Ravens, but by more than seven points. And 64% of people said win. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I'm, we're huge fans. Like we follow this. We are fanatics when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. And I did not think that they were going to win today. I wasn't at least confident, that confident, as much as I guess the rest of the fan base was. I mean, there was like six or 700 votes. So it was a decent sample size. Bills fans were very confident going into this game. And why not, you know, against the Dallas Cowboys and uh, the, the huge win on Thanksgiving, you know, we were riding high. We were going to have 10 game or 10 days to game plan for the Baltimore Ravens. And it looked like, like Brian Dable was asleep for those 10 days. And he, we either don't have the horses to compete against the team defensively, like the Baltimore Ravens, um, like just like how the Patriots have a really great defense and the bills couldn't get out of their own way in that game either. Uh, maybe the bills just don't have the horses for it, or maybe they just don't have the right offensive coordinator for it. Um, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, but Greg Roman, I mean, things would have been different. Yeah. If only the bills had ever had an offensive coordinator like Greg Roman, could you imagine, could you imagine what the bills could have done with an offensive genius like that? (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? We'll never know. (laughs) We'll never know if, if such a, if such a thing will ever occur, who knows? Maybe he'll become the, uh, the head coach. And I just, you know, it's funny. We joke about this, knowing full well that he was the offensive coordinator for the Bills in the Tyrod Taylor era. And what pisses me off is that Rex Ryan fired him. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. At the time, we were all thinking like, hey, the defense sucks. <laughs> like the defense is like the 19th ranked defense. But before you inherited inherited it, Rex, it was the fourth ranked defense. And the Bills offense, like sure, it was never good passing because, you know, they were limited offensively. But they were always like top five in rushing and like top ten in points or something like that, or touchdowns or something. Like they were always scoring. They just couldn't stop anyone on defense. So anyway, he became the fall guy for Rex Ryan. But um that you know, offensively, you know, we talked about Allen a little bit. He obviously didn't make some great decisions. He had a lot of deep balls that he did not connect on today. There was a third and four um early in the game. Uh, I believe it was maybe even the first or second drive where um, for some reason, they just bombed it down the field. And that is not Allen's strength whatsoever. Eventually, as an offensive coordinator, you have to dial up a lot less plays that are focused on the deep ball when your quarterback has hit, what, like three out of 50 or whatever in the last two years? Like, you just have to eventually think, like, percentage-wise, that's just not a smart play. Especially when all you need are four yards for a first down. We just need to keep the chains moving and keep this defense, keep your defense off the field a little bit longer and keep Lamar Jackson off the field a little bit longer, for God's sake. I mean, the guy's dynamic, right? He's an amazing quarterback. I don't think any of us would disagree with that. But um, the, the the deep balls, for some reason, the the and I don't know if it's you know Brian Dable calling them or if it's Josh Allen seeing them or whatever, or both. Um, low percentage plays, though, either way at this point. And then what, what also troubled me on offense was how many balls were dropped today by the Bills receivers. Specifically, I know Dawson Knox, dropped a couple of key 
one was a touchdown. <laughs> one was a touchdown in the end zone, and then one was a, a third and long or a th- whatever, and it hits him right in the hands, and he drops it, which would have been a first down, which would have continued the drive, which would have probably led to at least a field goal. I think they were at like the 40-yard line, and they would have gotten a first down and been down in the 30s. And you're looking at this, and you're just like, wow, Like everything that can go wrong against the Bills today is going wrong. So I don't know if you look at that and you say, well, the Bills had a lot of things go wrong, and they still hung with one of the best teams in the NFL. Or if you look at that and say, like, what the hell? Why couldn't they just you know, put everything together and win against a great team with, you know, 10 days to prepare for it. They definitely made mistakes. They didn't make as many mistakes as they did against New England earlier in the year where they really should have won that game for sure. Um, this game's different, you know, late being later in the season and the Bills vying for, you know, being a legitimate contender in the AFC. Um, as tough, yeah, the drops, knocks, and um, as tough, you know, and, and you mentioned Dable in the play calling. Absolutely, 100%. You can try the deep ball on first and 10 or first and anything with Josh Allen. Fine. Give it a shot. When it's third and four, just get the first down. Why are you throwing it deep? Yes. Makes no sense to me. Yeah, it makes no sense. Exactly. It's like being I've, – I've definitely accused Brian Dable of either – I don't know if it's being too cute or being too aggressive or just be not being practical. Like it's – it's kind of like on Madden, right? Like you would do that on Madden at third and four and like, ah, oh, just throw the deep ball. And then you'd fail at it and you'd be like, well, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> or it's just like, ah, oh, who cares? It's just a video game. It doesn't actually matter in the grand scheme of things. And there's no actual ramifications for what I'm doing. I just, I, I don't see the point in doing it. Get the first down, move the chains and continue, you know, play for another day. And, you know, you definitely don't. He just doesn't hit. And it wasn't like he was hitting on them early in the game. It's like, oh, well, maybe we should go back to that well. You know, that well is dry. That well has been dry for a while. You know, just luckily, once during the Broncos game, there was just a slight, you know, a slight rainfall. <laughs> just enough to cover the bottom of that well. But otherwise, that well has been dry, buddy. So <laughs> once so far this year has Allen connected on a ball that was over 30 air yards. And, and and Josh Allen has been surgical intermediately. In the intermediate range, the guy can hit anything. Not anything, but he's he's proven that he's one of the more accurate passers in the intermediate range. So that was we, we can't go we can't talk about this, the the game and, and all the offensive mishaps, you know, Dawson Knox dropping a ball, Cole Cole Beasley had a had a very important drop um that he should have caught. Um it was it was a tough game offensively for the Bills, but we can't not discuss the, the Bills on defense. The Bills had a great game on defense stopping, you know, the Ravens offense for that just scored 45 points just recently against the LA Rams, the the Super Bowl uh contending um Super Bowl contender from the NFC last season, the the Los Angeles Rams and they just annihilated them. The Baltimore Ravens only had 257 total yards today. And uh, passing-wise, he only had 139 yards. Rushing-wise, he only had 118 yards, which, you know, was which was an amazing game game plan for for the Buffalo Bills defensively. Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott, they, they deserve a ton of credit for being able to limit the Baltimore Ravens to only 24 points in the amount of yardage that they got. It's just, you know, again, just like, uh, just like this season, just like last season, just like the season before, um, the, the offense just, just couldn't keep up once they got down and, they, they, you know, man, they were awfully close at the end. You know, Josh Allen 
driving the ball down the field, you know, got a couple of penalties to go their way, some roughing the passer penalties and unsportsmanlike misconduct penalties and just were able to get down to the Bills uh, or the, the Ravens 20-yard line and then just couldn't punch it in at the end. You know, had that uh, that ball uh, bounce off of Marcus Peters' hand, which Marcus Peters had a great game today for the Baltimore Ravens. That's why they traded for him. But yeah, I thought the Bills, I thought the Bills defense looked great. They didn't have a, lot, a ton of pressure on Lamar Jackson, but he didn't drop back to pass a ton. Um, I I thought that the Bills defense, you know, again, just proved that, you know, we can stay with almost any team in the NFL. If you can stay with a team that's offensively as dynamic as the Ravens, then, you know, you can you can keep with almost any team in the NFL. John, what did you think about the Bills defense today and how it fared? No, I think they did great. Um, you know, I think they, you know, the the Ravens had some big plays. Obviously, the sixty-yard pass to Hurst. Um, they pulled off some some medium-length runs and this and that. But no, I think they had a good game. Uh, Lorenz Alexander had a really good game. I thought. Um, you know, I, you know, they just didn't have enough on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, they they were really good at limiting. Lamar Jackson, I thought on on a lot of big plays because you know we I had a quick interview this last week with um, the host of the Baltimore Beatdown, which is the Baltimore Ravens podcast from SB Nation, and I was asking them, you know, how do you how do you stop Lamar Jackson? And they're like, we don't really know because nobody's really done it. The only thing that's ever really stopped him is weather because he does this thing, and I don't know if you, they showed it a lot today in. Probably the only thing that they showed well all day for CBS because they were just awful today for broadcasting, replays, and announcing. Just about everything. We got the D crew. If there was an A, B, and C crew, we definitely got the D crew today on all sides. But um, they showed this thing called the mesh point, which is where um, Lamar Jackson is holding the ball. And he'll actually run with the running back for like a step or two before he pulls it down. And decides to either run with it or, you know, or he just gives it to the running back. It's insane. It's insane how much far, like, you're like, the running back's definitely, he's got the ball in his hands. And then Lamar Jackson will pull it out, you know, and then run with it around the edge. You know, it's just, he's got unbelievable vision. And I thought that the Bills, they they bit on it a few times. But for the most part, man, I thought that they bottled up, you know, Lamar Jackson. And they kept showing stats about Lamar Jackson being compared to Michael Vick and, you know, I think by the end, Lamar Jackson had more rushing yards than Michael Vick ever did in a single season. And to me, John, I don't know if you remember Michael Vick as well as maybe I do, but um, I think already Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Michael Vick ever was as far as his ability to, I mean, Michael Vick just wasn't, just wasn't nearly as headsy of a player as Lamar Jackson is uh, passing the ball and his ability to run. The ball. Now, mind you, that might help with Greg Roman being his offensive coordinator and devising a scheme that's better fit for Lamar Jackson than Michael Vick may have had. But I, I like that play, for example, that flip into the end zone where it looked like Lamar Jackson was going to run it. And they flipped it to the tight end for like five yards and then scored a touchdown. I'm like, what a, what a smart, intelligent play by, by Lamar Jackson. And it's just something I don't think I ever would have seen Michael Vick be smart enough to do it. He always used his athleticism more than his intelligence on the field. Yeah, I mean that that might be tough. I mean, it's still early in his career. Um, I know Vic was definitely inaccurate at times, but I, I feel like I've seen players like Flutie do that flip and be successful with it before too. You know, no, only Lamar Jackson. He's the only one. He's the best. 
<laughs> no, just him. That's it. So defensively, like you mentioned, I mean, Lorenzo Alexander had an amazing day, um, had some really key plays for the Bills defense. And yeah, I was, I was, I was really pleasantly surprised. Now, again, they didn't get a ton of pressure, but you know, maybe that's, that's also a factor of Lamar Jackson being as good as he is. So something to take into account. Oh, I forgot to mention, how could I forget to mention this? We're probably like 20 minutes in the podcast, but we are going to do our Tremaine Edmonds signed Jersey giveaway at the end of this podcast. And what's great about that is Tremaine Edmonds had another good game today. So, Hey, let's, uh, let's treat our listeners or the people that have, that are eligible for this contest to uh, a possibly a signed Jersey. So, um, We'll get into that after we're, after our next segment, which is the stats of the game for today's loss against the Baltimore Ravens. I mentioned some um, team stats, some yardage stats earlier. Um, the Bills allowed six sacks on Josh Allen, and the Ravens only allowed one sack on Lamar Jackson. The Bills' offensive line, just it was just atrocious pass blocking. I mean, Josh Allen, for God's sake. You know what sucks, too, about Josh Allen is he was actually getting some clean pockets towards the end of the game. But he didn't know what the hell to do with him because he's like, oh, well, you know, this is I'm, I'm not sure what I, I must be getting pressured soon. So then he would roll out to one side as quarterbacks normally do. This isn't new to Josh. And, you know, he'd roll into pressure, essentially. And he was forced to throw the ball earlier than he wanted to. So it was that's that's the unfortunate part about you not not being able to you know protect your quarterback is he gets happy feet at any sign of pressure or any. Anything that might even be perceived by pressure, perceived as pressure by him. Josh Allen was 17 for 39 today, 146 yards, one touchdown. He also had two fumbles. Only one of them were lost. No interceptions. So really rough game for Josh Allen. Less than 50% completion percentage, 146 yards. Like that was that was rough. I think they I think he only had one passing yard. By the end of the first quarter, I think Matt said that on the Rumblings website, but yeah, not great. To say the offensive line was struggling today struggling, is an understatement. However, running the ball is a different story. Devin Singletary had 17 carries for the day, 89 yards, 5.2 yards per carry. Another astounding day for Devin Singletary running the ball. Josh Allen had two carries for nine yards. For four and a half yards per carry. And Frank Gore had four carries for six yards. One and a half yards per carry. Which is about what Frank Gore normally does nowadays. John, John, can you think... I know normally you and Mike are quiet during the stats of the game segment. But do you think, knowing what we know now, having a large enough sample size of Devin Singletary getting the ball versus Frank Gore getting the ball, do you think that there's ever a reason why Devin Singletary should not be on the field? Because, I mean, before it was, at the beginning of the season, it's like, well, Frank Gore's great in between the tackles. Well, that's pretty much all Devin Singletary runs is between the tackles. And I feel like he just makes yardage out of nothing. I've, In my opinion, I mean, unless it's for a rest, I feel like Devin Singletary should be getting the bulk of the carries, especially with how he's been producing a yard per carry. What do you think? Yeah, it, he definitely did today. I mean, what do you have, 17 carries to Gore's... Four. Was it four? Yep. Four, yeah. So he definitely did today, and I think he was on the field a vast majority of the snaps. Um, I think a part of it was his injury earlier in the season, and him, you know, them just making sure that he was good to go and bringing him on slowly. But um, yeah, no doubt, I think he's definitely more dynamic of a player 
you want a you know a short yardage, you know third and one type of thing. Although they you know they have the Allen sneak, so mm-hmm. you know I don't know. I guess I'm saying I don't even know if I even want Frank Gore on those third and one sneaks because I think Devin Singletary is still more dynamic. I I, I and you know this isn't a criticism of Frank Gore. I think he's just I think just Devin Singletary is just that good. If you have an issue where Devin Singletary does not need rest because he pulled off a 40-plus yard run like he did today in the second half, I think you keep him on the field all the time because he's a much better pass-catching running back than Frank Gore is. Frank Gore's never been known for his ability to catch the ball. Um, Devin Singletary's great in pass cover or, uh, pass blocking, and he's just more of a dynamic runner at this point. So um, I, I know it was only 17-4. to four. I, I just don't. I think Devin Singletary takes every carry from on um, that he that Frank Gore doesn't need to be spelled for, even on third and third and goals. Which at the beginning of the season we kind of thought Frank Gore would be more of the of the better back for, but now I'm not so convinced. Yeah, I, I kind of envisioned it, at least at one point that like Singletary would get the bulk of the carries to in the first half, third quarter, and then like Gore would kind of finish the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Of course, not going to be on the team next year, and uh, Yeldon definitely shouldn't be. So it's going to be Singletary, and they're going to have to bring somebody else in, right? Christian Wade, buddy. <laughs> Christian Wade, he'll be ready. He'll be ready by then. He'll have that year of yeah. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> you'll have a one-two punch. You'll have Christian Wade, Devin Singletary, Christian. Could you imagine? So we have right now we have Frank Gore. You know, he's a little bit older. He's doing great for his age. But could you imagine a guy like Christian Wade who can break? Because Devin Singletary, for all the things that he has, he does not have game-breaking speed. But you take a guy like Christian Wade, who doesn't necessarily have the knowledge that Devin Singletary does, but he has that game-breaking speed. I mean, we saw it in the preseason. He broke like two or three runs for like 50-plus yards. So the guy is dynamic. So you add that. I'm just getting excited. I'm just kidding. You know, whatever. He can be our second or third back next season i'm okay with it we can bring in another vet i'm fine with that um but yeah it's it could be exciting if christian wade Wade is in the mix which i suspect he will be because he's on the practice squad they could have cut him if they wanted to they did not um they signed with the practice squad afterwards so that's that's a good sign anyway getting ahead of ourselves into the 2020 offseason but receiving the ball on the bills receiving side of the end uh, the game, uh, Dawson Knox had one reception today, 37 yards. The important stat here is on four targets. Every time that Dawson Knox was asked to catch the ball with two hands, he dropped. And every time he only had to catch the ball with one hand, he uh, miraculously caught it. <laughs> the defender is pulling, is tugging at his one arm, which wasn't called, by the way. The defense, the refs were today were pretty awful, I thought. I know we were going to get to that eventually, but man, it was it was an awful game. What, John, what did you think? Did you think it was uh, it was? I mean, it was pretty much all over Twitter how much fans hated the refs. And sometimes it's like, well, I think you just hate it because there's some plays being called against you. But sometimes I think it's warranted. Do you think it was warranted today? I just I think they had bad calls that were called and not called for both teams. To be honest, I think it was more so the Bills um, up front, but like towards the end, I think they were it was bad against the Ravens. So whatever. Yeah, there were some questionable calls against Raiden. But then, yeah, it was. I think it was just a terrible job refereeing in general. I don't think it was totally slighted towards the Bills or the Ravens because the, the, the Ravens were actually penalized more than the Bills were, if I remember correctly. Yeah, the Ravens had nine penalties. The Bills only had five. But, I mean, there was, there was inconsistency. There was that time. I mean, we saw that 
that play where in the second half, right before the or the first half in the second quarter, right before the Ravens scored a touchdown, um, Sean McDermott was running up and down the sidelines, like livid, like on fire, just screaming and swearing at the refs. And he was calling for John. I believe you you found that out that he was he was calling or he was upset because the, there were twelve men in the Ravens huddle. Correct? Yeah, I think I think that's what it was. I think that's what we all assumed, or Twitter just figured out that that it that was the reason why he was upset. And I, I guess I had read somewhere that it was multiple times. I can't I can't confirm that, but that time I think. And of course, they don't show a replay of that either on CBS. Just like we talked about how terrible the refs were today, the CBS replay booth was awful. Um, the announcing was awful. It was just uh, hey hey, there was a huge penalty that really impacted the game. Let's see if it actually happened or not. Hands to the face or whatever it was holding i don't know there were several penalties where i'm like hey let's see it let's see it so i can be upset <laughs> whether the refs are terrible or not and because there were some plays where i'm like okay i can kind of see why they called it you know i'm not i'm not completely you know one-sided fan I, I i'll take it into account i'll take you know all things into account but but yeah there was what did you think about that play before the half before the um the half where uh josh allen threw it up to robert foster and the guy was kind of draped all over him and uh, ended up knocking the ball down. Do you think that should have been pass interference? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't. I'm not. I don't have no idea why Mike Irvin didn't challenge it. I mean, obviously those types of challenges haven't been successful this year, but that was a huge play. You got to at least try, right? I mean, I thought it was obvious. Okay, so I'll give you a couple of reasons why. <laughs> why? <laughs> Here we go. The first thing was the guy was looking for the ball, right? So. He can do some of those things while he's looking for the ball. I th- can't hit the receiver before the ball gets there. But you kind of can if you're looking for the ball and hitting him at the same time. You can. You're not unabated. While you can. Yeah, he was going for the ball. Was he? Yes, he was. He was. He was facing the ball and batting it down. So if that's the case, I think you can get away with with some contact. I it's- respectfully disagree. <laughs> well, you're respectfully wrong in this case. <laughs> I and then the other thing was I'm kind of glad McDermott didn't. Of course, it was the end of the half. So what do you have to lose? I don't exactly. think. Exactly. But it was the end of the half, correct? It was like the end of the sure. first half. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I don't remember. Jeez, I'm only. We're only doing a podcast about this game recap, right? Why would we ever want to be right or research anything? So, <clears throat> but it's the end of the, those calls. Never get overturned. The success rate of a pass interference challenge when there was no pass interference is like 6%. It's so low. So I'm I'm hoping that the reason why Sean McDermott didn't do it is because he saw it for those two reasons. He knows that that just like, you know, you know it's what another call that never gets overturned is spot of the ball. A spot of the ball never gets overturned unless it's completely obvious. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, well, I got a first down on that. I got that extra yard. And they're going to be like, ah, I don't really see it that way. So it's like 99% of the time, they never overturn that one. Just like this one, they hardly. So I'm hoping in his mind, he knows that the statistics aren't in his favor. So he didn't, he didn't, you know, throw the challenge flag. That's the only reason I could so see. When you say 99%, what is that really? <laughs> eh, 90, 90, 90, 92. I don't know. The majority. Just say, just, just go along with it. No one's going to research or check this out or. I could Google it right now. I don't care. I don't care. My point is right. Everyone's going to agree. So, 
receiving the ball, we also have uh, Cole Beasley, four receptions for 29 yards, that huge touchdown, and another two-point conversion that was huge, seven targets. They're, the Bills are just proving with Cole Beasley being a red zone threat that you do not need that like Duke Williams or A.J. Green or Julio Jones-type tall, big-body receiver in the red zone to just jump up and catch the ball. They, I will give Dable credit for scheming in the red zone. I feel like that's more of his forte. Devin Singletary had the most receptions for the Buffalo Bills today. Six receptions for 29 yards on eight targets. There's that one he dropped, too. We were talking about drops earlier. There's that one that hit him in the hands that he was looking for the guy that was about to hit him, and he dropped the ball. So that was that was uh, unfortunate. John Brown, three receptions for 26 yards on eight targets. So not a great game for the Bills offensively, as we mentioned earlier. Tremaine Edmonds had that one interception. That was a huge interception today. Um, great game again by Tremaine Edmonds, the same gentleman that we're giving away a signed jersey for at the end of the podcast. But <clears throat> Tremaine Edmonds on the day defensively had six tackles, um, six solos, two assists, two tackles for loss. Lorenzo Alexander, we mentioned, having a great game. Five tackles, five uh, tackles, two assists. Uh, one tackle for loss. Jerry Hughes today had that one sack tackle for loss. He also had that one unsportsmanlike misconduct penalty, which we have no idea what it was about um, because he couldn't see it. Again, CBS Broadcasting Team Blue. It's funny, speaking of things that blow, um, I have on my notes here for the Bills offense. It's like Allen missing on deep balls, and then the second item is uh, blows. The offense blows. <laughs> really great, grade A um, note-taking by myself. Let's go into the Ravens stats of the game. Lamar Jackson, 16 for 25, for 145 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. 145 yards and three passing touchdowns. Unbelievable. Guy, the guy is, in, in my opinion, as advertised. Um, I know the Bills did a great job of shutting him down, but, man, I, and I was talking with the guys from the Baltimore Beatdown, I'm like, man, you guys got to be psyched. This is his second season, and he's an MVP candidate. I mean, that's like Patrick Mahomes, you know? Like, this guy's going to be good for a while. I mean, we'll see if if – well, if, if anyone can ever figure out Lamar Jackson or if Greg Roman leaves this next season, I'll be curious to see um, the guys. I asked them about that on the, on the podcast and they were like, oh, you know, we'll we'll see. It was like, But it's very possible that, that he's smart enough and good enough that it could uh, it could be OK with a new scheme. So we'll see if uh, on the ground today, Lamar or uh, Mark Ingram had 15 carries for 50 yards, only 3.3 yards per carry, which I think, in my opinion, I think the. I read somewhere on Buffalo Rumblings that uh, I think they were averaging in general as a team 5.6 yards per carry prior to this game. So the Bills holding them collectively. Mark Ingram, 3.3 yards per carry. Lamar Jackson had 11 carries for 40 yards, only 3.6 yards per carry. So again, well under that 5.6 yards per carry um, that they'd been allowing all season. Uh, rece- Receiving-wise, uh, the Ravens' leading receiver, Hayden Hurst, three receptions for 73 yards and one touchdown. I mean, you're also looking at that one touchdown coming on that huge broken play by the Buffalo Bills secondary. I mean, we didn't talk about that earlier, John. It looked like Jordan Poyer just kind of took the shallow the shallow tight end in that coverage and just left Hayden Hurst the deep tight end wide open, and uh, and he just wasn't covered by. He just they unfortunately, I think the Bills did a lot of uh, a lot of coverage where they let. Um, they had a lot more guys closer to the line of scrimmage to stop all the run plays that they didn't have a ton of help deep for some of these plays. And, uh, and I think that play was just an example of that when Hayden Hurst um, got behind Jordan Poyer. Yeah, that was a tough one 
Actually, you're talking about the stats, Lamar Jackson, 145, 145 yards. 60-some of, 60 of those yards were that one play. Yeah, yeah, good call. So otherwise, on that day, minus that broken play, what is that, like 70, 72 yards on the day passing. So that 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 play, uh, that was one of the plays of the game for the Ravens, for sure, on their side. And uh, so, yeah, just a, just a bunch of uh, the receiver, receiving-wise. So the receivers, the highest um, yardage for a Ravens wide receiver, which is pretty, pretty much standard for the entire season for the Ravens, had three receptions for 13 yards and one touchdown. That was Willie Sneed. Had that really great touchdown. Lamar Jackson just slung it in there for the touchdown to go ahead. Um, I believe it was 24 to 9 at that point. So, all right. So, we're going to take a quick commercial break. After that, we are going to go into our plays of the game and our wall of famers and wall of shamers and also our John Brown, or not John Brown. <laughs> that was the last jersey. Our Tremaine Edmonds signed jersey giveaway. So, stick around and we'll be right back. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. This is our recap edition show. We're talking about the Bills' loss to the Baltimore Ravens, the 11-2 Baltimore Ravens. And I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm joining by my co-host, John. John, have you ever gone? So today I went to um, a game with a friend. I went to watch it with a friend I knew, and it was like uh, one of one of his, it was actually at his neighbor's house. So a few houses down, his neighbor has this garage set up where, you know, he had the garage doors closed. Obviously it was kind of a cold day and, uh, but he's, he had this big couch and he had a projector and, uh, and a big screen and, uh, and he had some, like some beef stew going on and stuff like that. And at first it was really nice. My, my friend, Chris, um, who listens to the podcast too. Um, so I have to be really nice when I talk about him. Um, he, he is super cool. Like he's asked me to come and I'm glad it finally worked out this week and you know you're always kind of weird you know it's, it's just like seeing new people people that you don't know like we talked a couple of weeks ago uh when we were at delago um at the delago casino resort um and watching the uh the bills game at the DraftKings sportsbook at delago and we were just saying that um you know how how much we liked the kiosks there the betting kiosks because we don't have to interact with people because it's so annoying like people are People are the worst, man. It's the older you get, the less you want to be around people. Am I right? Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I don't even want to go to the store anymore. <laughs> so what? I, this is why we do our podcast over Skype too. It's just so like I, I mean, I, I like talking to you guys. I just want to see. You. <laughs> and you guys are like pretty much my best friends. So, um, so he asked me to go to this thing, and I'm, I wasn't apprehensive because I didn't want to watch the game. It's just because you know new people or whatever. But then you forget that whenever you go to a function with other Bills fans, like it's a very 
very like welcoming environment for the most part. I mean, can we be honest? Like Bills fans in general, I've never been to a Bills function ever with a group of people, even if I didn't know, like in this case, I didn't know 90% of the people. I only know like one of the guys, one of the eight, seven or eight guys that were there. And I felt right at home. We were just talking. By the end of the game, we were joking about the same stuff. We were ripping on the CBS broadcasters together. I mean, Dan Fouts, <laughs> Dan Fouts just slobbering all over Lamar Jackson. Like it was just, it was fun and it was a good time. And I think that that's something that doesn't get talked about enough. I mean, Bills fans are just welcoming as a fan base. And, and you know, so we're, so we're Chris and his friends. Great time today. So shout out to them. Um, let's get into our sweet, sassy, molassie plays of the game. Sweet, sassy, molassy. Get out the checkbook and pay grandma for the rubdown. So I think, ah, man, there's some, there, this wasn't a game. So we were talking about like some plays of the game for the Ravens. <laughs> the Hayden Hurst touchdown. I don't know if there was one defining play of the game where I'm like, this was great. I will tell you though, I think if I had to pick one, I think it was, oh man, I, it has to be a Lorenzo Alexander play because he had two huge plays defensively. One was where he uh, tipped that pass to force a fourth down. Both of them, I think uh, he forced a fourth down on that one play where he tipped the ball and uh, stopped the completion by Lamar Jackson over the middle. And then there was that other play where Lorenzo Alexander just basically blew up that screen play where uh, Lamar Jackson threw it to Marquise Brown on the sidelines. And it was like a seven-yard loss. Like, that was a huge play. That could have easily, you know, been another, you know, a long play by the Ravens and... Lorenzo Alexander, you know, just just a headsy play, you know, just when you think that, you know, maybe he's slowing down and maybe the Bills don't need to bring him back next season. Or maybe it's not not like because he's playing poorly, but like, oh, you know, he's just he's finally catching up with his age. You know, maybe that's he has a game like this and you're just like, this guy is is not he he is he's just timeless. (laughs) He's just ageless or whatever. Guys, guy. So I'm going to say between those two plays. Uh, one was a batted pass for everyone down. The other was blowing. I'm going to do the one where he blew up that play uh, on, on Hollywood Brown to for a seven-yard loss. That was huge. I think that that, that helped uh, swing the game, and I believe that caused a four-and-out, four, uh, not four-and-out, three-and-out, and, uh, and yeah, just just him just still finding a way to make plays and him still being a, an important part because I think prior to this, to this uh, game, you know, we talked on this pod. I was listening to other podcasts on our network um, discussing the Bills preview, and uh, they were saying, you know, Lorenzo Alexander could be a liability. And I completely agree because of speed and and whatever, but he was not today, at least in my opinion. John, do you have a sweet sassy molassy play of the game? Yeah, I think I think one of the moments that I was the loudest during the game. I forget who tipped the ball initially if it was even us or the Ravens, but when Edmonds came down with the interception, that I th- I th- I'm going to go with that play. A lot of respect on this team. Jackson. Bobble. Intercepted. Knocked over to Edmonds. Edmonds in the right spot off the deflection. That was a good one. That was really good. Edmonds' first interception of the season. That was awesome. Was it really? Yes, it was. Oh, it was a good play. It was an awesome play by Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds. Again, of the uh, signed jersey giveaway fame that will be happening in, in a little bit later on the podcast, which I imagine, I imagine everyone that's entered into this podcast is just skipping, being like, okay, are they doing the announcement? Do they announce you? <laughs> that's fine. I don't care. That does not bother me as a, as a podcaster. You can just skip ahead. Maybe you'll catch a part that you like. Maybe you don't. You know, we'll see. So 
So we did our sweet sassy molasses plays of the game. Let's go into our wall of famers for today's game. Wall. Wall of Famers brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook at Del Lago Casino and Resort. Our partners there. After we do the Tremaine Edmonds signed jersey giveaway, um, luckily um, the folks over at Del Lago Casino and Resort, they gave us a few signed footballs by some players, some potential Hall of Famer players. So um, that could be exciting. Um, looking forward to doing that. I'm kind of hoping we get a few weeks out of this Tremaine Edmonds jersey because we got like five weeks out of it. For the John Brown jersey, and I kind of feel like, do you think this is a bigger deal than the John Brown jersey, the Tremaine Edmonds jersey, or no? Um, which one would you rather have? Be honest. Well, I mean, I I, I would easily take either. I mean, um, if you're giving me a choice, I maybe maybe I would pick Edmonds if I had the choice. But I mean, it's not like it's it's kind of close, you know. I oh, mean, good. Edmonds. He, you know, he's young. He just, he's so far has been just buffered, right? You know, but I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, to me, I, I would take either. Yeah. I think Tremaine Edmonds is kind of a, a better one in the case that he could be with the Bills for potentially a long time. I mean, John Brown is on a four-year contract. So, I mean, he could be here all four seasons. Um, the odds of that, I feel like, are somewhat unlikely, but just because. Remember, if- remember we thought Kiko Alonso was going to be with us for a long time? <laughs> <laughs> remember you bought a kiko alonzo jersey for your wife <laughs> yeah the off season that he got traded <laughs> i mean she was gonna get it anyway so i mean uh, yeah hey man however you got to justify it to yourself yeah <laughs> that was that was a rough one and kiko alonzo is a piece of garbage anyway at this point i know i know i know <laughs> Not only, not only, what did you get the jersey? And at, at the time, he was like, "Oh, the legend of Kiko." Oh, oh, at the time, we loved him. He was like the new, promising, up and coming linebacker, right? Yep, yep. And then he went from uh, really good linebacker to traded for the Lashawn McCoy. So you lost that jersey. You couldn't return it. And then also, you have the fact that he is like head hunting Bills players at every single game. As he gets traded to the Dolphins, it's like, man. Um, anyway, look, at least we don't have to worry about him in uh, in our division anymore. So that's a that's a positive. I think he what is he with the Saints now? So yeah, we can be thankful for that. But <laughs> it's just funny. Um, so anyway, Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers. So Wall of Famers, I'll go first. I got to give it. I just mentioned Lorenzo Alexander and how great of a game that he had. Um, and I loved it and, and so happy to have him on the team. I'm going to give it, though, to Devin Singletary for today's game. Um, guys just proving against great defenses. He can run the ball and he can get yardage and he can find holes. And, you know, th- this offensive line is clearly better. I don't even honestly, I don't know if they're a better run blocking offensive line or a better pass blocking offensive line. I'm guessing run blocking, but that could also be Devin Singletary and how good that he is, you know, at finding holes in, in the uh in the defense, and the guys just the guys just never. He's always has the ability to keep running to to keep running for more. You know, what it kind of reminds me of John. Is you remember when Fred Jackson was on the team? He would always find a way to get positive yardage. I feel like he'd slip through a hole and just he would always fall forward. You know, like he always found a way to just like drag a guy. You you thought he was down at the five, you know, for a five yard gain, and he'd like drag a guy for like another two or three yards, right? Like this is. I feel like Devin Singletary has a little bit of that, except with more elusiveness than Fred Jackson ever really had. Yeah, Singletary can can um, 
really put some moves on some of the defenders. And I, and I think that's a really big asset that he has. Yeah. So who is your wall of famer for today's loss? I'll go with, uh, I'll go with, I'll go with Leslie Frazier. I thought they had a good game plan. Um, they allowed 24 points, you know, that includes the bills turning it over in their own territory. And, you know, they had the, between that and let's say, you know, the one play six yard play that got past Poyer, there's two touchdowns right there. I mean, you're looking at a whole different ball game. I, I think they did a pretty good job at, um, you know, you look at the yards per carry of the, the rushing offense, the, the, the number one rushing offense in the NFL, potentially record-breaking rushing offense, um, holding them to, you know, Lamar Jackson at three-something yards per carry in Jackson. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Leslie Frazier. Yeah, good call. I like that one, too. The, the Bills' defense was was great today. It's uh, it's The Bills are will always, for the most part, besides, uh, you know, that one game against the Eagles, really, this season, the Bills – the defense has kept them in every single game. It's just the offense. It usually seems to fall short. So wall of shamer for today's game. Shame. 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 Let's see. Who do we give the wall? You know, I went first for wall of famer. Why don't you go first for wall of shamer? I guess I'll go with Dable. What, Dable, you don't like it when we dial up a 40-yard pass on third and four? Is that is that the issue you have? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he's uh, it's tough because, you know, I think I've had him on my wall of shame for a lot this year, but, like, I like a lot of things that he does, but there's a lot of things that I don't like that he does, too. No, I know, right? It's like a love-hate relationship with Dable. You want to like him because he does some pretty cool stuff. Like that play last week, the Andre Roberts pitched to John Brown, and John Brown throws it to a wide-open Devin Singletary. Like, yes, yes, but then, like, some obvious things, like let's get more screen passes to Devin Singletary, you know, or I don't know, like the third and fourth thing, like we just mentioned. Like, it's so weird. I Brian Dable is a love-hate relationship. Sometimes you love the stuff they do, and sometimes you're just, like, shaking your head like, wait, what? Why? What would you do that for? <laughs> it's so funny. I, I also blame him for a little bit of the pass protection issues the Bills have had offensively because the the Ravens, as far as I know, have always been known to be a blitzing defense, and the Bills were not prepared for that at all. And Josh Allen, I mean, you know, it's, you know what sounds weird is I, I, I had an honorable mention on my wall of fame for Josh Allen. I know he didn't have a great game, but God, like, you just felt for the kid today. You felt so bad that he had to, you know, take as much – punishment as he did today in in a game where you knew he was, it was coming and i mean geez he's getting stepped on by his offensive lineman like he's getting hit on the ground the guy i don't know if you saw that fumble i thought that there was a guy came in late and gave him a big elbow to the head did you see that one i don't know if it was that play or another play a raven player came in late and i'm just like man like they're just getting pummeled and the offensive line is doing nothing to help him so and and you know like maybe this goes into your dable comment because maybe dable wasn't you know, designing these plays, these short passes or whatever it is to help him instead of these long developing routes where, you know, they need to, it's like, if you know, the guys are going to blitz or whatever, why don't you have at least a couple of short play? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not an offensive coordinator. I don't claim to be a, an X's and O's guy, but man, some of that just seems a, a little bit obvious. 
I don't know. Wall of shame for me, it has to go to... I'm going to do offensive line pass protection today. It was a rough game for the offensive line. Um, this is somewhat of a common theme of this season um, with the offensive line just just not giving Josh enough time, um, and it's just it just hurt the it hurt Josh Allen hurt the Bills. I mean, if, if I man, if Josh Allen had gone out like I like I said in the middle of the game, I would not have been surprised after today's. I also want to give an honorable mention though to Dawson Knox for dropping. For this is not a new theme at all with him is dropping key third down passes. Where that hit him straight in the hands. I mean, his Josh Allen's wide receivers and tight ends did not do him any favors today catching the ball. And like it even throw, you know, Devin Singletary in there for that one pass. So um, offensive line pass protection. I'll also give uh, drop passes by Bill's offensive players. Key to that. So yeah, pretty rough, pretty rough game. Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers. Now let's go to Twitter where we have some great Twitter reaction. By the way, every, every game, post game, I tweet out, you know, who is your wall of famer and wall of shamer? Just to just find that tweet and reply back to it. I will read some of the best ones on Twitter as I read them. So if you'd like to be part of that, please reply back to the tweet. Again, please don't quote t- tweet it because I don't I don't uh, have enough time to go through my mentions to figure out who quote tweeted me and go back through. It's just like, this just makes it easier. Just make it a thread through the tweet that I send. So actually, I'll, I'll read a few of these. Richard W. Griswold is in. He's wall of famer. Devin Singletary, total difference maker. Steven Hauschka keeps job for another week. Tremaine Edmonds, heads up, INT. And the run defense held Jackson to 40 yards, 118 overall. So that's something that Richard mentioned, John, that we have in his Hauschka today. Man, Hauschka is Mr. Jekyll or Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, isn't he? He's just either he's Hausch money or Hausch poor. Like, it's just, I don't know. You never know which one you're going to get from week to week. But today he was, he was, he was great. And I, and you know, it's so, it's funny. I read something interesting from Ryan Talbot of NewYorkUpstate.com. He's like, oh, maybe the uh, the Bills putting in a waiver claim for um, oh god, who is that kicker that was on the Bills in the preseason? Um, Terry Mc, not Terry McLaughlin. That's a that's a Redskins wide receiver. It was I don't know who it was, but the the Colts ended up getting him. Um, so it was it, it, it Ryan was bringing up the fact he's like, oh, maybe that lit a fire under him to try really hard this next week because the Bills, had they got him off waivers, they probably would have cut Steven Hauschka, right? You don't keep two kickers on. So anyway, um, wall of shame, the offensive line, Allen was a rag doll. Great, well put by Richard there. Uh, Allen was a rag doll back there, man. Like I said, you felt bad for him. Um, he has Dawson Knox, allowed a blindside strip sack. Yep, he was, he was responsible for that one strip sack on Allen. Good call there. And he dropped some key passes. Again, Jordan Poyer, a rare blown coverage on that Hayden Hurst t- touchdown. So, um, all all great uh, all great Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers there. At the sports bully, writes in Wall of Fame the entire defense, Wall of Shame the entire offense. <laughs> so what? Well, this succinctly put. <laughs> um, Sean Lonigan. Oh, getting in, we're getting in some new people. I love it. A lot more people are replying back and forth. Man, if you want to get on, man, you can have some good takes. As Sean Lonigan is in, he writes Wall of Fame. The refs for making that last drive a lot more entertaining than it really should have been. <laughs> also, how's money for returning to his old form? Good call there. Wall of shame. The offensive line looked like fucking Swiss cheese. <laughs> these these dopes better get it together or they'll all be working at Fusillo. Oh, man. Shout out to Fusillo. <laughs> man, that's funny. That was a good one, Sean. Some, some straight fire there. Um, also on Twitter... 
mega weapon is in Allen wall of fame. I guess he's, uh, no, he's just writing it. Allen and his inability to beat cover zero is on my wall of shame. Um, receivers need to create more separation. Yes, but he needs to get better. The whole defense is on my wall of shame. Great job by that whole unit. Wall of fame. Sorry. The whole defense is on my wall of fame. Great job by that whole unit. Good call there. Um, Devin Brown writes in wall of fame for Shaq Lawson. He's making himself a nice paycheck for next year. Um, John did. I didn't. Devin might've noticed something I did. I didn't notice Shaq Lawson hardly at all today. Did you notice him? I remember, um, one place specifically, um, where he did well, where the bills had uh, two consecutive defensive plays, uh, one by Lawson, one by Hughes, I think. Okay. Um, that stopped a, a Ravens drive. I know that there was that Shaq Lawson. He was a, like an almost sack where he almost hit him, like he was unblocked and forced Lamar Jackson to to make a throw that he didn't want to. Um, there was that, but again, that was another. The, the thing I have with Shaq Lawson is that play. He was completely unblocked, which was more of a scheme slash coverage thing than it was a Shaq Lawson like fighting off a block. And then last week when Lawson had two sacks, they it was, he was completely unblocked in both in both sacks. So, I mean, it's good that he's getting to the quarterback and he's sacking him when he when he should be. I mean, some guys don't even do that. But I guess I guess I'm not as high on Shaq Lawson. I, th- I agree that he's definitely making himself a nice paycheck for next year. I don't suspect the Bills will have him back because he's doing that. But I might be okay with that because I don't think Shaq Lawson, I think he's good against the run. I think, I don't know. I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's blossoming in his fourth year. Finally, I think he's just, you know, he's what he is. I don't think his ceiling's much higher than this, but you know, I could be wrong. Wall of shame to the O-line. Josh didn't have much time to do much of anything. It's a common theme. Jason Statham writes in our guy, Jay wall of fame. Tremaine Edmonds led an awesome defensive effort. The guy is a stud Now, Jason. You're just saying this because you know, a Tremaine Edmonds Jersey is up for a giveaway. Don't think that just because you write that, that you're more likely to get the giveaway. All right, man. I, I can see right through this, right through this. You're hoping that I have to send this Jersey all the way over to England, all the way over to you. And you know, what? to be honest, I'm not, I'm not super psyched about that. I'm going to be honest. Maybe I'll just take a few. No, I'm just kidding. I, we have at least like five or six listeners from the UK that are eligible into um, this giveaway. I think we have like, I want to say like 80 or 90 overall. So a lot of people want to thank everyone for writing in, but, uh, but the last Jersey winner was luckily in the same town. <laughs> I could just drive it over. So I don't think I'll be as lucky this town. So he writes, uh, Wall of Shame, the entire offensive line collapsed like a chocolate fire guard. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I feel like I should know what that means. Is that, a, is that a British expression, John? Have you heard that one, a chocolate fire guard? Or is that just a, I don't know pop culture references? Um, no, but it sounds delicious. <laughs> oh, I'm so hungry right now. Um, he kept. He also writes, kept a very good Ravens team. To within one score, there has to be some positive to come from that, for sure. For sure. Brian G. writes in, Wall of Fame, how about Housh Money, 3-for-3 with wind swirling? The D played great, but wouldn't be in the game without him either. Wall of Shame, Josh Allen, constant overthrows on deep passes, especially two in the first quarter. Should have been 14 points. The O-line was manhandled. Um, All good calls there. Josh Allen, if there's if there's one thing that I could have Josh Allen work on in the offseason that he needs help on, because I feel like he's improved in so many different avenues this season, would be the the long ball, the deep ball. And I know he's working on that with Jordan Palmer, but that needs to be much more of a focus because he's worked on his intermediate passes. He's done a great job of improving there. And uh, I, I would say his, his footwork or whatever he needs to do mechanically or mentally to get ready for 
get ready for those long throws because uh, I we don't expect him to hit you know to be uh, to to have it be a high percentage throw. It's just less than like three per fifty or whatever the case is now. I, I don't know the stats, but it's not good. Kathleen writes in. Kathleen was tweeting at us all game. Thanks, Kathleen. I appreciate that for sure. Wall of shame. The offensive coordinator play calling. Right tackle Cody Ford, rookie Cody Ford. Dawson Knox dropped passes and the refs for the missed calls. And then, then she has a wall of fame, the defense, and Hauschka. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty concise all along the board on, on Twitter for the wall of fame and wall of shame. Um, Hanover, Bills 9-3, writes Joni Hanover. Writes wall of fame, defense for containing Lamar, not letting him get away on the ground. He has a wall of shame, the offense for containing themselves for three and a half quarters. Good effort at the, at the end, but... Uh, we were still getting carried by the refs, for sure. Those those two 15-yard penalties really saved that last drive. Beanie writes in, Wall of Fame, that defense, <laughs> that defense, though, um, three ex- four exclamation points. Um, also, Trey White for being some much-needed comic relief. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you, Beanie, for bringing that up. That play where uh, the <laughs> the Steelers, because the winds were swirling so much, like uh, like was mentioned earlier by one of our Twitter followers, um, the, 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 uh, photograph play sheets for the Baltimore Ravens ended up, um, I guess getting swept up onto the field and Tredavious White picked him up and started flipping through him. All right. What can I get? Can I gain some knowledge quick? Yep. No, 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 no. It was hilarious. Trey White is again, just one of my favorite players. He is freaking hilarious. He's legitimately funny. And uh, good call there by Beanie. He's so funny. Wall of Shame, she writes, I would say the entire offense for not capitalizing on an amazing defensive showing. But if I had to single out a specific player, the dropped Knox pass sticks out. Great call there. It definitely stuck out to me, too. That that stopped a potential uh, point-scoring drive. Yaya, the 7-0-D, writes, Wall of Fame, the motor, no doubt. And Wall of Shame, the whole damn (laughs) O-line. Yeah. Megatron writes in. She says, Wall of Fame defense for keeping us in the game. Singletary for consistency. Consistency, which is important. I'm glad she said that because consistency the entire year. Whoever he's playing against, he's consistently, it feels like, getting over five yards per carry. Wall of Shame, offensive line, Knox, and Poyer. My God. <laughs> that was, you know what? We didn't make a big enough deal about that Poyer gaff because he's, we're not used to seeing that from Jordan, Jordan Poyer, but man. You know, it was just uh, that blown coverage, man. It kind of cost them the game a little bit. So, because actually, if you think about it, it did cost them the game. Because if they they don't score on that drive, they don't score a touchdown, the Bills score 17, all of a sudden they're going for a field goal as opposed to trying to get the touchdown to win the game. And they're going, you know, house money, man. House money from 37 yards out. Just count the victory. Um, Tim Anderson writes in, Corey Bajorquez, terrible field position all day. The Bills had terrible field position. I, I wanted to do the math before the podcast. Didn't have a chance to. Um, we're recording this, you know, after the Bills game. But um, the Bills just always seem to be starting from the 20-yard line in. And the Ravens always be, seem to be starting from, like, the 30-yard line. Their 30-yard line out, it seemed. So uh, there was just terrible. I don't know if I give it all to Corey Bajorquez, but he had, he had a rough game today, for sure. So agree with Tim on that one. Tyler Durden is in for... For uh, the first time in a while, man, we haven't heard from you, Tyler. We miss you. Wall of shame, the red color rush uni. <laughs> Last time we wore them, we barely survived Miami. Burn them. And Brian Dable, 10 days to prepare for the number one blitzing D. 
then he has Wall of Fame, Leslie Frazier. Dude pretty much game plan the hell out of keeping us competitive for four quarters. Man, Tyler, you got to tweet in more often, man. That's some fire. Um, John, what'd you think about the red color rush unis? I agree 100% with Tyler. Garbage. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if he doesn't like them because of how they look or just because of the outcome that occurs. Because I kind of like the jerseys themselves. I'm not against the red unis. I kind of like them. Minus, you know, what happens when they wear them. What do you think? I, I don't like, I prefer the blue or the white. No, I don't know. Not really? If you had a red, so you would never, if you had a chance to buy like an Ed Oliver jersey, you would go, instead of going white, blue, or red, you would, you would never even look at the red? Really? Yeah, if I was, if I was purchasing a jersey, I would not get the red one. See, me opposite. As long as it's not more expensive because I'm cheap, like I would, I would consider the red for sure. I like it. Rory Doolin writes in. Rory says defense kept us in the game, so they get the wall of fame. The receivers, even Singletary, dropped quite a few good or at least catchable balls, so they get the shame. Um, Allen wasn't great, but they dropped balls that they, that would have made a difference. Exactly. When Allen's struggling, the way that he is, I mean, Rory brings up a good point. You cannot keep dropping passes like this. And he wrote, um, "Oh, honorable mention to Beasley for for that late in the game flip." Um, that was an MLS performance. I missed the flip. I can't believe I missed it. Did you catch it? I think I missed that too. I think I missed it too. Don't, it's not your fault. It's not my fault. It's CBS's fault, you know? So, <laughs> all right. All right. Just, just a couple more, just a couple more. There's some really good ones, guys. So if we don't get a chance to, to get yours in, I apologize for sure. Bill's losers QB club writes in the O-line. If we played them in Baltimore, it would have been a blowout. 12th man and the D kept the Bills in the game. Dave Thorpe writes in hard fought game, which is what we, which is what I wanted if we lost until the end. Now, now I'm glad Dave brought up that point because I don't know if I necessarily saw the Bills winning the same, but I mean, if you, if you had to say, you know, the Bills were going to lose, at least they kept it close. It wasn't a 45 to six blowout like the Rams game or like a lot of the games have gone for the Baltimore Ravens in their victories. I mean, they've won by just a few points, like against San Francisco last week, and they've won by a ton of points, you know, like against the the Dolphins and the Rams, you know, right? So, um, I, I think they definitely they definitely showed that they can they can stay with any team. It's a matter of them overcoming the hump and being able to actually you know beat these teams is, is another thing. Wall of Fame, he says the D was was uh, defense was mostly out, was outstanding mostly. Edmonds interception, Alexander tip pass, Hall of Shame. Is the offensive line too many drop passes? Poyer had a bad game at fault for the big score at the start of the second for sure. Um, crappy punts didn't help. Yeah, Bahorquez, man, how hard is it to find a punter? We talk about how hard it is to find a good kicker, which it is, but it can't be that hard to find a good punter, right? I mean, Brian Mormon out of retirement might be better than Corey Bahorquez. You know what's sad? Like, there was a time where, like, we would be like, oh, who's the best player on the team? And for a lot of years, it was like, oh, it's Brian Mormon, the punter. He's before his time. <laughs> we really, we really need Brian Mormon right now. <laughs> we had some bad teams back then. We had some, yeah. He was, he was like the bright spot <laughs> of those crappy six and ten teams. Adam Talmage is in. Adam Talmage, the winner of the John Brown jersey, which we agreed last week that he's still in the running. For the Tremaine Edmonds jersey, much to the chagrin, I'm pretty sure of everyone else. That wouldn't that be crazy if he won back to back? Like, just man, that would piss off a lot. We might lose a lot of listeners. Well, hey, well, whatever. Easy come, easy go. Um, Wall of Fame goes to the defense. Did the best they could against the likely MVP and great offense. 
Hauschka, perfect and kept us in the game. Yeah, Hausch money, man. Wall of shame, the pass blocking. Awful. Josh was always under pressure. Adam, Adam, are you trying to ask for a guest, a co-host spot on the Circling the Wagons podcast? Because you pretty much listed the ex- same exact things that we said. Wall of shame, pass blocking. Um, oh, yeah, I already just said that. <laughs> Widers. Maybe you should just take my job, Adam. That was pretty awful. <laughs> Why? Widers. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> you could say that. That's true. <laughs> uh, wide receivers. It, wall of shame, Nate. <laughs> Nate, the host of the Circling the Wagons podcast. Um terrible podcasting per usual um <laughs> wide receivers couldn't separate too many dropped passes and it's <laughs> adam signed jersey didn't help the smoke revenge game nice nice <laughs> so not only oh you know just just flaunt that you know signed jersey it's it's unfortunate i feel like um john brown has done worse since adam's gotten that jersey <laughs> since he's won it smoke i think ended his streak of uh, 50 plus yard games that he had, he had like nine straight games, and then he uh, ends it as soon as the the jersey gets uh, gets over to Adam. Fluent in sarcasm, writes Wall of Shame. The offensive line, everyone that dropped a pass. Corey Bahorquez's inconsistency, man, what what was that? Wall of Fame defense as a whole, they held their own against the best offense in the league. Hauschka performed his one eleven. A good call there. I love the one eleven. Why do our specialists have last names that are so difficult to spell? <laughs> I don't blame you, man. So fluent in sarcasm obviously didn't run. He, I, I said Corey Bohorquez, but he wrote, he wrote Corey B's, man. Yeah, there's no spell, there's no autocorrect for Bohorquez, man. Trust me. But you just got to write it in once in an iPhone, and then click on it, and then it, just, you know, becomes a, a standard. All right, I, I can't keep reading. These, are, there's so many good ones. Really appreciate all you guys writing in. I think I'll do one more. <laughs> one guy, I love. I normally don't write, don't read anything that's like one or two words, just because it's. It doesn't, this is, this is just, it's just funny. This guy who's kind of like a troll on Twitter a little bit, Jay Todak was at zero accountability. Like he's just, he, he just wrote Trey Edmonds sucks or stinks. <laughs> it's like, uh, he just like, he always finds ways in my mentions with just negativity. I just laugh at those people. Some people get pissed off and it's just like, man, you just gotta, but to me, I just, I just, I just laugh. It's just funny. Bills on three rights. All right, Bills on three. New one. We'll end it with this one. I've noticed Thurman Thomas wears the jersey of a player he thinks is important to the game. He wore Poyers today, and Poyer gets caught for two TDs. Hard to blame the one on him, but the second is a mistake. <laughs> so he blamed <laughs> Thurman Thomas for wearing the jersey of Jordan Poyer. Wow. Man, we are just off the rails on this podcast. But uh, maybe I'll end it on a different one. Phil Perry writes, speaks volumes that there's disappointment in the loss, and we stayed in it till the end. Wall of Fame, defense, and Hauschka, who ticked the points over. Wall of Shame, the offensive line today. Still still positivity in this Bills Mafia house in London. Man, we have got a lot of UK listeners. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Phil, for... uh, Thanks, Phil, and everyone else. Oh, wait, there's there's one more. (laughs) There's one more. Okay, that was like 10 ago. But uh, this, I remember reading this one at the time, and, and I was like, I got to add this one. AD-B writes, um, Wall of Shame, Dable. Th- this is so succinctly put by AD-B that I had to read this one. And I'm glad I'm ending it on this one because it's, it's really well put. Wall of Shame, Dable. This is not a knock specifically on him, but I think that he is not the right offensive coordinator for Josh Allen. The Bills need to find an offensive coordinator who recognizes who can recognize that Josh Allen cannot throw a deep ball, respect that, and run a shallow passing game that engages running backs more in the pass attack. 
dude, just wow. I feel like he hit it on the head. We've been tra- we were talking about Brian Dable earlier in like our love hate relationship for the guy. I think he nailed it. We definitely need a passing game that engages running backs more. We need. So I mean, Dable came from New England. That's all they do in New England. Like half the passes are to running backs, and the other half are to Julian Edelman. So I don't know why why Dable can't adjust to that. But um, really great call by AD B on this one. So I'm going to end it on that one. Thank you so much to everyone that contributes each and every week. I apologize if I didn't have a chance to get to your tweet, but uh, you know, there's a ton. I probably did like 15 there. So, you know, what are you complaining about? Right. Um, Let's do our Tremaine Edmonds giveaway. So I really want to thank everyone that left a review for us on iTunes. And uh, like we said, the stipulation was um, you have to write a review for us on iTunes. And then also, you have to listen every week because, um, you know, by the way, you also have to give us your Twitter handle or whatever so that when I read it on, out loud, you'll remember it and you'll know it's you. And it's something that I can easily be like, it's like, I, I say this and last week somebody was like, HG, HGK 432189er. Like, it was just like, this is not a Twitter handle. This is a made up. This is just, it's just funny. Um, so if you guys do leave a review, please leave your Twitter handle or your Instagram or your or or, or or something that will let me know that when you message me to let me know that you've won, I can place it back to a review that we've had on here. And and if you don't have social media for whatever reason, that's fine too. Just leave a username that you know of and you can email me because we do have an email address, believe it or not. Um, we are ctwpod at gmail.com. So pretty simple there because I know some people, uh, they don't like the social media. They don't like the knowing that the, they don't like the having... The government uh, watch everything they do, so I don't blame them for that. So if you if you're not on social media for whatever, John, you're not on Facebook, right? You still aren't into Facebook, right? You're like the only person in America, right? You're still against that. What's what's a Facebook? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, definitely want to thank. I'm gonna actually read a quick review because um, I don't. See, if you guys are still listening, you just want to listen, okay? I don't have to do anything quick for you anymore. I'm tired of apologizing for that tonight. This one is from. Uh, this one's from um, at Lonigan Sean. He writes, uh, great stuff coming out of Nate and the boys each week. Great analysis with a fun little hometown spin. Come buy me a drink at Del Lago. So thanks for that. It's funny. Um, uh, why don't you buy us a drink when you're at Del Lago, Sean? Why do I have to buy you a drink? Jeez, <laughs> um, that's pretty pretentious. I don't know if I really appreciate your uh, your tone there. No, I, I if you if we if. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get to DeLago, at least in the regular season, because of the flex games and the primetime games. But uh, if you stop by and check us out there when we go to make a visit, um, we will absolutely buy your drink. That's 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 the least we can do. If you're a listener to the podcast and you want to just talk bills with us, we will buy you a drink. Okay? Limit um, five drinks per visit. <laughs> and not per person. It's per visit. Like, I will give out five drinks or whatever. Um so okay, all right. Now what we've all been waiting for, John. Do you know how to do a, a drum roll or anything for uh, for uh, that? Do I need drums for this? No, you don't. Oh, yeah. You don't need an actual drum roll. Just like do it like uh, National Lampoon's uh, Christmas uh, Vacation. Drum roll, please. Drum roll. Oh, oh. Uh,
All right, the winner of the Tremaine Edmonds signed jersey goes to at B underscore Ailey. So it's like Bailey with like four Ys at the end, and there's an underscore after B. And if I'm (laughs) – God, I understand people have to have – it's not easy to find a Twitter handle. I just told you how I couldn't get circling the wagon, so I understand if you couldn't get Bailey. At Bailey, but – um. so it's at B underscore Ailey with four Ys at the end. So Bailey, I'm guessing that's your name. Um, please contact us and let us know what your address is so I can send you the the um, signed Tremaine Edmonds jersey. Now, um, that is one of the other stipulations for this contest is you have to listen to every episode that it's there because if you miss one episode like our friend Dave did over Twitter and like four other people, if I'm not mistaken, I believe B underscore Ailey also won the John Brown jersey. And I don't believe she... Uh, she um, <laughs> She uh, uh, messaged me and let me know that. So you have to do that. That's part of this contest is you have to listen every week. So just because your name was not called this week for the Tremaine Edmonds signed jersey does not mean that it will not be called next week because uh, Bailey has to contact me and let me know. I believe it's a she. I can't remember. We have a lot of lady listeners. Pretty proud of that, man. It's a big deal to me. Um, Probably it has a lot to do with, um, you know, our, our uh, Mafia Mavens, who do a great job of breaking down um, the bills each week. And, uh, you know, part of me likes to think it's part of uh, whatever we do, too. So definitely also want to say, if for whatever reason, speaking of the Mafia Mavens and all the great podcasts here at Buffalo Rumblings, the Buffalo Rumblings podcast channel, if there's anything we missed today in discussing the bills post game, the recap, um, you can be sure that one of them will pick it up. One of them will talk about it. They're going to discuss the narratives all week as they pertain to the Buffalo Bills, uh, the coaching staff, and everything like that. So, um, and if you are, if you want to get ready for next week's game, I mean, the rest of the amazing, you know, podcast lineup, they will have you ready for the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the eight and five Pittsburgh Steelers after today in Pittsburgh on primetime next Sunday night. The Bills are playing them. That's pretty crazy that if they won and like three teams lost, they'd be in. And the three teams that lost, lost. I know. That you won today, we'd already be in the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, like, everything well, else fell their way. And even the Patriots lost. So like we would control our own destiny if we had won today for the number one seed. Wow, that's depressing when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but if you think about it, like, would you rather be talking about that or, like we said earlier, it's like, well, if we win out and all these other teams lose out, maybe we can make the playoffs barely, kind of, maybe, depending on tiebreakers. <laughs> this is a great spot to be in, for sure, compared compared to what we usually are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. This is a great feeling. I mean, that's why I'm not as upset about this loss, I think. Yeah, they could be the one seed or the fifth seed or the second seed or the fifth seed, but... They're, they're a seed. They're going to be a seed. They're going to be a seed. They're going to get a seed. They just need to win. They literally just need to win one more game between. And maybe not. I mean, maybe other teams lose and they don't have to win another game. I mean, it's true, true. <laughs> true. If a team has seven losses, they could easily win, lose another game between now and the next three games. Exactly. Yeah. I appreciate everyone listening. Thank you so much. Please check out the rest of the podcast on our podcast channel if you haven't already. Um, good luck to Bailey. See, the clock's ticking, Bailey. You got to let me know if you won the Tremaine Edmonds jersey. It's not just going to fall on your lap. That's pretty crazy that if they won and, like, three teams lost, they'd be in. And the three teams that lost, lost. <laughs> I know. That you won today, we'd already be in the way. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. They, like, everything well, else fell their way. And even the Patriots lost. So, like, we would control our own destiny if we had won today for the number one seed. Wow, that's depressing when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but if you think about it, like, would you rather be talking about that? Or, like we said earlier, it's like, well, if we win out and all these other teams lose out, maybe we can make the playoffs barely, kind of, maybe, depending on tiebreakers. <laughs> this is a great spot to be in, for sure, compared compared to what we usually are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. This is a great feeling. I mean, that's why I'm not as upset about this loss, I think. Yeah, they could be the one seed or the fifth seed or the second seed or the fifth seed, but... They're they're a seed. They're going to be a seed. They're going to be a seed. They're going to get a seed. They just need to win. They literally just need to win one more game between. And maybe not. I mean, maybe other teams lose and they don't have to win another game. I mean, it's true, true, <laughs> true. If a team has seven losses, they could easily win lose another game between now and the next three games. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you everyone for listening. So signing off for John. Hey, trust the process. One more win. The Bills are in the playoffs. Anything can happen from there. For me, Nate, go Bills. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Prime time against the Steelers. Huge game. If they win this game next week against the Steelers, they are automatically in the playoffs. We don't know exactly which seed they'll be, but they are definitely in the playoffs. So it's a huge game next week against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Go Bills. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills.